so excited for this episode. I just want to thank everyone for listening to our very first Mama Girl podcast episode. We want to thank everybody for joining us. I know that uh, we put the announcement out on Facebook and Instagram, and a lot of people have been inquiring when we're, we're getting started. So here we go. And we just want to start off with some housekeeping things. The content of this podcast is based on Alexis and I's personal relationship, our own thoughts, our own ideas based on our everyday life. We are not professional counselors, therapists, coaches, or anything of that nature, but we just wanted to share our journey of growth as well as allowing you to get to know us a little better, to help empower and hopefully show a different perspective of things that we've talked about during our relationship that has really helped us to grow. So with that being said, say it today, we're going to talk about talking about emotional wounds. All right. I think everybody really deals with these things and I'm a dictionary nerd. So I'm, Alexis is starting to be one. So, yeah. um, so that we have a clear understanding what emotional wounds are. I had Alexis to look it up, and uh, what does it say about emotional wounds, Alexis? Okay, so this is from the writershelpingwriters.net, and it says that an emotional wound is a negative experience or set of experiences that causes pain on a deep psychological level. It is a lasting hurt that often involves someone close, a family member, lover, mentor, friend, or other trusted individual. Okay. And I think I've dealt with a lot of emotional wounds because I feel like that really caused a disconnect for Alexis and I, uh, mostly on my part, because growing up, being a single parent, I really went through a very depressive stage because of my relationship with her father didn't work out and I was depressed about that. And just just the woes, not necessarily woes, but just the stress and trying to learn, trying to be a good parent. What do you do? What you do, what don't you do? I want to be a good mother. I don't know how. And relying heavily on my parents to help me raise Alexis. And I just kind of went into my own cocoon. And Alexis, because of that, I feel suffered from that. And what I mean is she picked up habits or she picked up or either developed habits based on what I didn't or did show her. So one of the things that we've really dealt with is showing affection. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> that is true. And the thing is, I didn't realize that I had an issue of this as I got older. Because growing up, you don't realize that you have habits that are, you know, behind you know emotional wounds but because as growing up I thought you know showing emotion or not really showing emotion wasn't it was normal because we didn't really hug like that we told each other we loved each other my mom would give me a little pat on the back or whatever <laughs> but it wasn't something I was used to so as I gotten older and my mom realized that I wasn't as emotionally attached and I was kind of, you know, rejecting affection. She tried to do her best to kind of start easing that in. But it kind of freaked me out because I'm not used to that 
at all. So it's something that I'm still learning, you know, to, and working on. Some days I still, you know, have my moments, but I'm getting to the point where I can come to her and I can pat her on her back a little bit. I'm not really big on the hugs yet, oh my but, gosh. <laughs> but I'm working on it. It's just something I did not know was a huge part of why I'm not, you know, affectionate, affectionate like and that. And so. like I said, that was my fault. And that's a part of healing from emotional wounds is being mature enough to recognize the error in your ways and some of the things and the way you've handled things in your life that can affect people. And that's what I try to tell Alexis all the time, good or bad, what you do does impact other people. I mean, there is no way around that. I mean, it could be a good impact or it could be a bad impact. And me not really knowing how to deal with my emotions affected her a lot. And I have apologized to her profusely about that. And, you know, even though she doesn't hold it against me, I hold it against myself because which I'm trying to release because, again, I only can give her what I had. And that's one of the things about emotional wounds is that you can only give that person what you have to give because everybody in their mind has an idea of what they want from a person, the type of love they want from that person, that type of communication you want from that person. And the majority of the time is stuff that we've already made up in our heads and we feel like what's in our head is going to manifest in that person not knowing that that person already has a set makeup of how they process stress how they communicate how they love how they deal with anger mm -hmm. how all of these things have already been embedded in them from childhood and a lot of these emotional wounds stem from childhood and they carry over to adulthood and so we wonder why we act certain ways and it's just things that we have just kind of pressed down not have not known how to process them or how to deal with them and then you have friends like we were talking about earlier is you have friends that are what do you call them call them wound mates wound mates okay. mates basically know how that saying is when people say they found their soulmate? Well, it's kind of like wombmates. So wombmates are pretty much people who are bonded together through a wound, whether it's a similar feeling that they felt, similar incident or experience that they've had. It's just something that has been painful or hurtful to them that they can both relate on. And that is something I was telling mom, you know, in conversations past that some of the relationships I have Met, you know, had in the past up to now, I've noticed that the root of our friendship is always started by a bad experience that has happened, whether it's with self-esteem, whether it's something a friend has done to us, what our parents have done to us, always built on that. And it blossoms. And as, you know, things continue and the relationship blossoms, it's still, that element is still there. You know, it doesn't go anywhere. And I didn't realize that until now of how many relationships I have is not built really on something positive as a foundation but it's built on something that is negative yeah and that's why I tell you all the time you know it's always because I remember Alexis growing up she was wanting this 
huge amount of friends. I mean, she wanted millions of friends. Still there a little bit. I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. But like, you know, I heard a sermon by T.D. Jakes and he said that, you know, you only have so much to give a person and your capacity is not that big. So in order for a friend or to call someone a friend, you have to be able to be there for them mentally, emotionally, and financially. And if you can't be all of these things to that person, then you can't really consider a friend because if you have thousands or hundreds or even 25, 30 friends, or I say close friends, let me put it like that, because you can have a lot of friends and not have to, they don't require that from you because you've already establish what type of relationship it is but if you want people in your core circle you have to be able to provide these things for them and because we're not able as humans humans to physically be able to do that for large amount of people that's why your intimate circle needs to be really small right and in your intimate circle Sometimes as you grow, and that's another thing about an intimate circle, you know, it has to provide a space for you to be yourself and for you to grow where you can have trust and communication, honest communication. They need to be able to be able to tell you when you do something wrong and you not get offended because you know it's coming from love. And it also needs to be a space where they congratulate you. They It's not a competition. Right. It's not a competition. They're cheering you on just as hard as you're cheering them on. Right. And sometimes that circle will rotate. You know, all of the friends that you have may not, your close circle, there may be a rotation. Because it may be someone in your circle that, for whatever personal reasons, they can't move and grow with you. You know, they've become stagnant due to personal circumstances, loss of focus, and it's not anything bad, but you have to bad for them if they choose to stay that way because you can't change someone's mental, you know, thoughts or perceptions. The only thing you can do is, you know, give your perspective on it, and if they choose to take it, then that's good, but you can't allow them and what they're dealing with stop you from doing what you're supposed to. I know everybody talks about, oh yeah, that's my ride or die and all that kind of stuff. I'm I'm looking for a ride and live. <laughs> I ain't trying to die right now. You nope. know what I'm no time soon. No time soon. So I'm looking for some ride or lives. And you know, God has really blessed me with a few of those. And I'm grateful for, and, you know, and it does hurt to have to rotate, you know, your circle around and rotate people out. You know, you just say, hey, you know, we're going on two different paths and, you know, I wish you the best. You know, if there's something that I can do and I'm capable of doing it, I'll, I'll be more than happy. But I can't allow what you're going through that's not positive or pushing me to stop me because if I can procrastinate. Because this idea for this podcast... It's been a long time coming. It's been a long time. We've been, we've been, you know, holding out because of our own, you know, you know fears and fears, fears and things yeah. like that. So. Yeah. So, yeah. So, that, that attributes to some of that is emotional wounds. Because, again, just, just a depressive mindset, you know, because you see... 
other thing. people doing things that's somewhat similar and not sure. Well, and I don't think it's necessarily that I'm depressed that I was depressed about that. It's just again, it's just like we want things like right now. We want it, you know, we want it microwave speed. Yeah. And we have to allow ourselves to mature and grow because for the longest I always thought, you know, I should be further in my life than I really am right now. And I think that some of those emotional wounds caused that, you know, because mm-hmm. I really did not process those things till later in my life. And that was because I really had to sit down and talk with my parents and, you know, just talk to them and try to get to know them because my parents grew up picking cotton. So it they were always in survival mode. You know, mm-hmm. that was the thing. Emotions weren't something that you really... You didn't talk about. You didn't right. really... Yeah. Right. You know, they're trying to eat. They're trying to, you know, get to the next day and have full bellies and lights, water, and whatever else that they were trying to keep and provide for the family. So, you know, growing up with, with me, there was not a lot of communication. There was not a, a lot of showing of emotions, but I, ne- I never doubted without a shadow of a doubt I never doubted that my parents loved me I mean that was shown by what they provided financially I never went without anything I always had a roof over my head I thank God never experienced not having a meal it may not have always been what I wanted (laughs) you know but it was I never experienced that and I know a lot of people do so you have to kind of look back and learn to appreciate where you came from and that you've made it to this point. But it took me a minute to get to a point where I would analyze, could analyze it in a mature way and not, you know, and try to recognize some things within myself that I didn't like and the things that I was putting or you were picking up from me Mm -hmm. that caused you to, like you say, be not affectionate not you know show your emotions because i'm the queen to shut down if i really want to be i did get that from her i i, I can that is very true I we both we shut both down. shut down when we're just all for something yeah that's just us yeah we're just you i mean it, i didn't know how to process it and i had to like i said really mature myself to say okay why am i shutting down what are my triggers why am i acting this way mm-hmm. so again it's just analyzing. Right. But you know, the the cool thing about that now is even though as a child, you didn't have that or, you know, effe- affection was given to you in a different way. Now that I've been born, you know, being the last grandkid, you know, it kind of like flipped because it's like now my grandfather went from not really saying I love you to saying I love you all the time. My Nana is constantly telling us that she loves us three, four times a day, always, you know, feeding, um, you know, encouragement and love, you know, speaking into our spirit. So it's so cool to see that 20 years ago, it wasn't that. But as soon as I come in, it's just the dynamic flipped. And yeah. so now my mom gets to experience the verbal affection that she didn't receive as a kid now at her age. So I think that's really awesome that you get to get that now. Yeah. 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 You're right. And I, and I am so very, like I said, I'm so very grateful for that, but I never knew it to be anything that affected me. Cause like my parents, you know, I've always been a hard worker. 
but I didn't know until I really took time to sit down and evaluate that overworking was an emotion. It could was a part of one of my emotional wounds because emotional wounds and what manifests out of that is personal to each and it is different in everyone. So one of mine was overworking. And I still deal with that. Ah, oh, shit, your mouth. She's looking at me like, yeah, like you haven't stopped. And I'm really trying, y'all. I'm really trying. But I just feel like, you know, if I'm a part of a team, I'm going to give a thousand percent. And, you know, sometimes you have more, you take on more responsibility than you should. So yeah. I'm really, really, y'all pray for me because I'm really working on that. Just like it can manifest in overeating or not eating or, in my case, shutting down. One of the things... I've learned to do is I tell Alexis, I like to talk. And y'all can tell I like to talk. And some of y'all know I like to talk. <laughs> the co-workers that's listening, you know what you know what she's talking about. Hush it. I know what I asked for your three cents. But, and it was fine 10 years ago. But I've gotten to a point now where if I've talked all day and then Alexis comes in and I totally appreciate it because Alexis is a type even though she didn't show affection she's always been the type when she comes in from she would come in from school she comes in from work she comes home from school when she was in college you know it's always she wants to talk about her day she's never been the type of parent i mean the child not parent because she tried to be my mama sometimes <laughs> and i appreciate that to some extent it's a balance it's a balance it's yes, a balance, it's a balance. <laughs> but you know she comes in and she's just and she's just going and I've always told people I've never any place that we've lived I've never shut the bathroom door because I it doesn't help she'll come and she'll stand at the door when she was younger she would sit at the door so I'm like why even shut the door because it just it doesn't matter and I never complained about it because I didn't want it to be something that causes her to shut me out um, a lot of times, you know, if we're not taught to communicate, we shut people out. We don't know how to communicate. We don't know what to communicate. Right. A lot of people say that they're misunderstood and rightly so. They may be misunderstood because, you know, they may not know how to articulate because some things I don't know how to articulate and we just have to find ways to articulate it in a way that that other person is receptive. Right. But she would always come and she would talk to me about different things. And as I got older, I can tell, because I've never suffered with anxiety. And I, I pray that no one ever does. But I can feel when I know that I've met my talk too much level or I or my level of I've gotten as much information as my, my brain can handle, the back of my neck, those two lift notes that are behind my neck <laughs> on the other side of my ear, ding, 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 ding. they start <laughs> burning a little. And it's like, okay, Lexus, give me 30 minutes to an hour. Let me power down and let me do a data dump because I'm going to have to dump out some of these things that I have kept throughout my day. And I have to go through my mental file and say, okay, you know, that don't need to stay, that don't need to stay, that don't need to stay. And just kind of re re just repower myself, restore myself, because I don't ever want her to feel that she can't come to talk, come talk to me about anything and I'm not listen. And she does accuse me of that sometimes because she'll be like, Mama, I just told you that. And I was like, well, it really 
it wasn't she's, that it wasn't important. <laughs> it was like okay, it wasn't relevant at the time. It wasn't relevant for me to hold on to that information. Right. I've done the data dump. Yeah, I think I've mastered it to the point where she'll tell me. I was like, well, Alexis, when you know when is your next mobile pantry? And she'll tell me. And then an hour or two later, I was like, now what did you say? She's like, Mom, I just told just you. told you that. But again, it wasn't relevant. You needed for the time that you needed. Yeah, it as then. a set period. Not that it wasn't important. It was just like, okay, it's not something that I need to. Yeah. See men in my brain, or you know, or yeah. what have you. So. And I will say this, you know, like when you first told me, you know, Alexis, I need a thirty minutes. It did shock me at first. I'm like, because she had never did it. In the past 20 years of my life, it's always Alexis is just talking, 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 talking. She telling her what's going on. But when she told me, Alexis, I need 30 minutes, it almost felt like a shutdown. But then I had to realize, okay, I'm bombarding my mom with a lot of information. She's already absorbing enough information with the position that she's in. And sometimes not everyone can handle all of that. I didn't even ask my mom, you know, hey, mom, can you handle this right now? And I'm thinking that's something I should start doing. When I, you know, come now that I think about it, it would be great to just, you know, ask you when I come say, hey, mom, are you in the mental capacity to, <laughs> I'm for real, like to, like, to hear me out? Because I know that you want to hear about my day. I know that you care about what's going on. But because you're overwhelmed from work and things are going on, you just still in work mode. And by the time I'm telling you, you hear certain things and some things go out the ear. And then we end up having the conversation over. I'll have to tell you later on. But I have realized the importance of her having at least an hour to herself to recharge because after that hour, she's back to her normal self. I can tell like when I'm immediately talking to her, once she get off, slight attitude. <laughs> what? Not to me. Maybe not a slight attitude, but just so I can, I can tell that her you know, mood is shifted. So I need to give her some time. And so, you know, I give her her time. I'll come back. And then by then we ready to talk. And then we have conversations that last two to three hours until like the wee hours in the morning, which is something my grandmother, your mom will always get on to us for. But that's just kind of the nature of the how our, com- yeah, our relationship and how our conversations go. So, so I totally yeah. get it. Yeah. yeah. And I do appreciate that. And I, and a lot of times I had to realize too, that a, a lot of the, the stresses that I was putting on myself were things that I would I was doing to myself. I would take on conversations or and that's another thing with emotional wounds is that we take on other people's wounds. You do you know, in trying to be a friend. And some things you just cannot you cannot take on. I mean, you just have to just say, Hey, let's talk about it or whatever and you have to find ways to get that off and cast it off for you yeah. or you be- you become like an emotional garbage can exactly. i don't know who told me that phrase but it's something i've been using all through college but you do you you take on so much and i think that's because i know particularly for myself because i am an empath it's like when someone is telling me of their hurts and things that they got going on i'm so quick to take on the emotion that fear that frustration because i care but with that like you said i don't release it i hold on to it and then it fit it eventually messes with me in a negative way and then I start looking at things in a negative perspective because I didn't take the time to be like you know what yes this is unfortunate yes it's a bad situation but I cannot let this stagnate me you know and keep me from moving forward because of that right and that's one thing because my daughter (laughs) y'all she can go to zero to 100 real quick 
a little big. I mean, and and I, I appreciate that because I know she got my back. But sometimes it's kind of, it's like, okay, calm back. Bring it back. And I, I don't play about her, y'all. I have told her this all the time. If it comes to her and my grandparents, I play no games. I don't care who it is. You could be a close family member. That. You could be someone that's on the side of the street trying to talk to them. I protect what's mine because it's always been the three or the four of us. It hasn't been a whole group. It's just been us. So, yeah. 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 So, yeah. We're, um, but yeah, she goes zero to 100 real quick. And I'm like, hey, really back in? Really back in? Because, I mean, <laughs> her. But, you know, and I and I had to recognize that and, and try to create a environment for her to speak. Because I know that's important. We all need an environment where we can speak freely, however raw, raw, just oh my god! I can't believe she said that. I can't believe you said that. You had a moment. You like I can't believe you. Said, you do yeah, that sometimes. but you have to keep a straight face with that because again, that's a part of a friendship. That's a part of a relationship. Right. You have to be able to love them, good, bad, and ugly, and you allow them to be as raw with you as they need to be because you care about their mental and their physical. Because I like a lot of times, you know, I gave. I was thinking about this. It's kind of like the analogy of a pressure cooker, mm-hmm. you know, and I did my research, you know. So, like, a, pre- a pressure cooker is designed to trap steam in the pot while your food is cooking. And so, I alluded and I connected the steam to, like, your emotions. And as the steam is building from the heat, you know, it, it pushes it down. And that's what we do with our emotions if we don't have a a trusted, safe place to release those. And they stack up. They stack up. They stack up. They stack up. Mm-hmm. And then what happens, just like with a pressure cooker, when it gets to that point, it blows. If you don't release that pressure because on the top of a pressure cooker, it has a, a release nozzle. Mm-hmm. And you have to press that release nozzle to allow the steam to come off so you can take the lid off. If you don't take, if you take that lid off without releasing that steam, it's going to explode and it's going to hurt you seriously and anybody that's in, you know, in the vicinity of you. And that's how I kind of correlate that to emotions. If you allow uh, emotions to be suppressed for long periods of time without not having a place to help, you know, to release in a healthy, trusted environment, it's just going to press it, press it, press it. And then the wrong person gonna say something at the wrong time, and then they, they may not even be the person that you're angry with, right? You know, and you come, they come at you and say the wrong thing, and they could be joking, and you explode on them, and it's like, oh my god, who is this? You know, and you and you just it's it's just built up, so it's always important to have a safe place to talk your emotions out judgment free yeah judgment free i mean and you have to be okay with what you hear if there's cussing involved if it's all of that you have to be okay with that because you care about this person and you really want them to be mentally successful because when you're not mentally successful that can hinder and halt um, other areas of the of of your life or their life, you know, and that can put a strain on the relationship, you know, because True. you know people kind of go into isolation. Some people, you know, turn to drugs, alcohol, sex, 
just different things to cope, you know. And so just learning how to find out what my triggers are and just find ways to have a release so that that doesn't happen. Right. So now also just thinking while you were saying that the importance of like we talking about safe spaces, there is not many safe spaces out here. A lot of people don't have those to confide into because you know there is a fear of is this person gonna tell my business put it on social media put it on social media or use my vulnerabilities against me in a situation and that right there is just like it's crazy but it happens and so my biggest thing i know for emotional wounds and things that i've dealt with growing up I've uh, seeked a counselor. You know, I've been going to counseling since I was in sixth grade. And I have never felt anything. I know some people may have, you know, some, you know, uneasiness about going to see help. But it is not like that. Like I said, this person is not here to judge you. They are here to literally let you release. Because like mom says, like the pressure cooker, if you hold that in it's going to explode. And then I, I know that there's this quote that my aunt says, she's like, what you don't deal with when within will manifest out, whether it's in the physical sense, in your health, in other relationships. So going to therapy is something I am a huge advocate for because it gave me the opportunity to talk to someone who did not have any emotional ties to me to give me an outsized perspective of what is going on with me. And I had the choice to take it or I chose, you know, or had the ability not to, but they gave me the options to just release it. And the thing is too, you know, if you have a, you know, you're talking with the counselor and it don't work, don't let that discourage you to not find someone else. There is a person for everybody. So, you know, don't let that be, you know, something like, Oh, I'm not going to go speak. No, it's okay to talk, talk it out. Because I'd rather you talk it out than you use it in other ways that can be detrimental to yourself and to other people. Yeah, and I know sometimes you've even told me that even going to counseling has helped you a little bit more because there may be some things that you can't even talk to me about it because it may be a little bit more personal Mm -hmm. because you don't know how to respond. And, And I have to recognize that as a parent, you know, we set these expectations and perceptions of our kids and how they're supposed to turn out, how they're supposed to walk, talk, think, or whatever. And if they say something out of the box, it's like, you know, you on 10, you going off, who, you're not my, why are you acting? And I mean, we just go into these, these parent modes. And sometimes you have to turn that parent mode off just to be someone that they can confide in because, you know, you are the closest thing to, you know, your kids or your friends sometimes. And you have to be able to turn and like some people say, you have to put on different hats and make that person feel comfortable. And it's like a safe free zone. You can say whatever you need to say about me if it's about me that you have an issue with or other people and it like I said if you have to curse or whatever if that helps you to get it out you have to be okay to hear that and sometimes it and not take it personal because it's mm-hmm. easily it's not easily you're not easily able to separate those things and so what I did to kind of help me when I was ready to deal with these emotional wounds was I made a list of all the people in my life that I admired 
and I wrote down what I liked about them and what I didn't like about them, what were some bad traits. And then on those bad traits, I kind of looked at, okay, are they really bad traits based on my perception of them? Or, you see how my voice went up on them? <laughs> if, it were, if they were bad traits uh, based on my perception of them, or, you know, were they kind of like a protective mechanism for yeah. them? So, like, one of the things I really hate, um, uh, hate is a wrong word, I don't say hate. What I highly dislike about some people is, you know, when they're being selfish. And from personal experience, sometimes that's for protection. Yeah. You have to be selfish. You have to be selfish with your time. You Sometimes you have to be selfish with your money because if you are you freely give so much, you're tapped out. Right. Or they've been used before by people that right. didn't appreciate it. So they're like, you know what? I need to... Right. I can't extend myself like right. that. Right. Yeah. And so, and then I had to look at it from a different perspective. It wasn't that they were being selfish. They were being self-protected. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying there? So I had to look at those things. And then, you know, from that, I learned more about myself. And, you know, I learned that I love to laugh, you know, because a lot of the people that were on my list made me laugh. I learned that I like to cook, that I'm a foodie. So I like to try new things. So you learn a lot of things about yourself through the people that you're around. Mm-hmm. And so I was just, I had to go through that process. But again, like I said, you have to be mature enough and willing to commit to that process because it's not a process that happens overnight. It takes a while to get that done if you truly want to to be healed from these emotional wounds. Right. And the thing is, too, about emotional wounds, you know, it's like she said, it's not a quick fix. It took you years to get into that sometimes. So it's going to take you some time to get out of that. It just takes, you know, some time. But like I said, you have to be committed to the process of healing. That is the biggest thing is healing. Yeah. And it is, and it is, it is a process. And I just, you know, I, you know, one of the things that I dealt with people pleasing. Yeah, I get, I got and that. That's that, from rejection. That's, that's me. Oh like, gosh. Oh my God. And again, y'all, we're, some of these things, we're still in the process. So still. don't think that we're over it and we're just... You You're know. going through this with us. Pretty yeah, much as exactly. we progress in trying to heal these certain areas, we're taking you along with us and showing you the steps that we're taking to get out of it, to hopefully help you if you are going through that as well. Yeah, and some of the things I have overcome, like self-confidence was something that, you know, I dealt a lot with. And what I started to do was do affirmations. And it was hard, y'all, because when you don't feel these things that you're saying about yourself, I am smart, I am beautiful, I am capable, and you don't feel that on the inside, looking at yourself in the mirror, you like, yeah, right. But the more I did it, because sometimes when I first started, I had to put my head down because I could not look myself in the face. And after that, you know, after I started doing it for a while, you know, I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. And then I, then I didn't need to do the affirmations. And it was so, it was so funny that it just changed my whole perspective. And so then that helped me, you know, when I saw a person like, hey, beautiful, hey, gorgeous, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I'm trying, I'm like, okay, this is how I feel. That's what I see in you. And so that was a way that I, you know, tried to 
help myself and help others. And, you know, that was a big hurdle to get past. And, you know, I thank God that I was able to get past that. So I was trying to think it was something else that I did, but that was the major thing is just writing it. And then journaling, it was... She is a huge writer, y'all. Yeah. A huge one. I didn't think I was, but, you know, just being able to write those emotions and things down helped a lot. So um, that was one of the things that I did to help myself get better. Yeah. So. And it's really helped because even, you know, now that you have had confidence and you give that to others, you know, people are now, because I know you tell me stories about how you would compliment people. And when you would call them things like beautiful, they'd be like shocked at first. But then yeah. as you continue to say, you know, they came, you know, they started to accept it more and more. But just kind of going back to the whole confidence thing, this is something, even though she has, you know, worked on, it's something that I've been, I have struggled with my entire life. A lot of it, you know, or the root of it is from my dad. But, you know, getting there, trying to, you know, like you said, the affirmations and things like that. So that's something that I'm, you know, struggling with, but I'm trying to get better. Right. right. And like I tell her, you know, never know, you know, what a person is going through personally because I wasn't in the beginning, the best parent, and I'm still working at being a, a good parent to Alexis, and it's an everyday You're um, a great thing. parent. Well, thank you, Alexis. I appreciate it. I strive for that, but I, deal, I still struggle in some areas, but, you know, I try to recognize uh, those areas and work to do better at those things, so then we just have to all do it together. And I just hope that, you know, during this podcast, our first one, I'm so excited! Yay! That there was something that was said that would help you in your journey to get healing from emotional wounds. And somebody said something that was so profound the other day. And they were saying, you know, healing hurts more than the actual hurt. And it does. Mm -hmm. Because you have to put a lot of things out on the table. And you have to go through all of these emotions that you've kind of just pressed down. And you have to dig them up. And digging is not easy. And like Alexis said, there's nothing wrong going to counseling. Because a lot of times, you know, you have to get healing for yourself before you can help either somebody else heal or even be able to go and talk to the person that may have started the trauma or, you know, was a part of the trauma that you're dealing with. So, you know, if you if you feel like that you're not strong enough to go through Go seek professional help by all means. There is yeah. nothing wrong with that. Nothing I think all. that it's amazing and it shows strength in you that you're you're okay with going to uh, to someone that's trusted to be vulnerable because you want to be better. You want to, you know, move on with your life. You don't want to stay stuck. Right. So I, I commend anybody that goes to counseling. I went to counseling at one particular time. So it's absolutely nothing wrong with it. That does not. It speaks to character more so, you know, for me. In that, hey, you're the type of person that, hey, I see something wrong. I want to fix it. I want to be better. Right. So to me, that speaks volumes. So again, I want to thank everybody. Thank y'all. Thank y'all for tuning in for our very first Mama Girl podcast episode. And if you're already, uh, if you haven't already followed us, you can follow us on IG. Yes, at Mama Girl Podcast. Yes. Yes. And you can also check us out on our website. It's Mama Girl, and girl is spelled G-U-R-L, 
because that's how we say it, girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can check us out on our <laughs> web, on our website at mamagirl.com. And if you have any questions, comments, or anything, any topics that you want to discuss or want us to discuss, we'll be more happy to do that. You can reach us at mamagirlpodcast at gmail.com. Again, we just want to thank you. And also, if you want to listen to us, you can listen to us on the website, but also Spotify and iTunes and Apple. So again, we thank you. We love y'all. We appreciate it. And we are so excited for you to follow us on this journey together. Y'all are our tribe and we just love you so, so, so much. Thank you for all your love and support. And until next time, see y'all. See y'all. Bye. Bye.